Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, which came out last summer and it's selling all over the darn place. If you are pregnant, thinking about becoming pregnant or know somebody who's pregnant, go out and pick up a copy. It's all in there. How to navigate pregnancy and prenatal care in the healthiest, most supportive way possible, and come through your labor and birth safe and strong. You know, I know having babies is a time-honored tradition, but it's not easy being pregnant and giving birth these days because with so much technology and so many medical interventions being utilized in even perfectly normal pregnancies, you have to know so much. You have to make so many decisions. And that's what the book is about. All the inside information gleaned from my decades as a labor and delivery nurse and as a mom. Um, Everything you need to know to be an active, engaged patient and partner and a strong, happy parent. So let's see. One more important housekeeping note. Common Sense Pregnancy, the podcast, is looking for sponsors and donations to help keep this conversation free and easy for everyone to access. So if you like what you hear, and apparently you do because you're downloading this by the thousands, um, and if you wanna help make sure other mothers, fathers, families, and healthcare providers can join in on these conversations, then head on over to my website, jeanfaulkner.com, and hit that donate button. It is appreciated, folks. Okay, we got that out of the way, so let's get down to business. Most importantly, happy Father's Day. I hope you guys are going to be celebrating and that your family is going to be spoiling your rotten and going to a lot of trouble to let you know just how valued you are and how much you're loved. I think that we're at a very interesting time in the history of fatherhood, Um, and I see more men are more involved in their children's day-to-day care and lives than at almost any other time that I know of, certainly at any other time in my my lifespan. Um, More dads are flexing their schedules so they can be the primary care provider or share care duties with their partners more equitably. And, you know, even the public and media image of fatherhood and dads raising their kids seems to be getting a bit of an upgrade. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. We're seeing less and less of TV dad as a bumbling idiot and more as a competent parent. I think I saw a laundry detergent commercial the other day and dad had it going on. He knew what he was doing. He was doing the laundry. Thank God. Um, I don't know why it's taken us so long to do this. Even though Gender norms and parenting roles have changed a lot in the last few decades, and there are huge differences in cultural um, issues and and ways that men are involved in fatherhood. It's different. It's different all over the world. Um, But regardless of all of that, dads aren't idiots, and I hate it when they're portrayed that way. Um, Of course, I guess it all depends on your family dynamic. You know, in some families, mom clearly holds the reins still on all things house and kid related, and dad comes in as ancillary support. 
And, you know, I, I still hear women complaining a lot about how little their husbands do to take care of their kids. And I still hear women saying that, you know, they can't do something until they ask if their husband can babysit. And, you know, just even using terms like babysit instead of parenting or watching the kids, it's kind of evidence of all the pervasive social cues that are still so common, um, you know, about telling us how we're going to raise our kids as parents, as, you know, as equal partners or not. In my family, um, we had pretty much, it was survival. We had to kind of establish a pretty equitable dynamic early on in our parenting years because, hey, our financial reality is that we've both always worked, we've both had to work. Um, There have been periods of time where I have worked less or taken a break for short periods of time because I've had babies. Um, But most of our lives together, and it's been a good long time now, we've both worked and we've had to, just out of survival, you know, balance the childcare and the housework and the home responsibilities in a pretty fairly equitable way. Sometimes he takes a bigger role than I do. And, you know, over the long haul, it all works out in the end. Um, so I think I'm going to read a little bit from the book today. There's a little section I think is important for, you know, setting your own dynamic in your own brand new families, especially if you're a first-time parent or you're uh you know, you're expecting or you're trying to figure out how you want the roles to go. How do you want, what do you want fatherhood to look like in your family? So I'm going to read from the book a little section I titled, How to Do Anything Now That You Have a Newborn, including taking a shower, going to the store, and having an adult conversation. Babies have huge needs and never-ending demands. Many mothers want to be the number one person in their child's life, so they try to do it all, even when there's help available. We have this whacked out idea that, it takes, that what it takes to be a good mom is to sacrifice everything for your child. Here, is my best, here are my best pieces of parenting advice. Don't go over the top doing so much for your baby by yourself that you neglect your own needs. Don't make your partner an accessory or assistant. He or she is a co-parent. Don't give 100% of yourself to your baby. Save some for yourself, some for your partner, and some for the rest of your life. Parents usually come in sets of two, or if they don't, there are usually grandparents, aunts, uncles, and friends around to help. And both are important, capable, and perfectly suited to taking care of a baby. When mom tries to do it all and dad is treated like her little helper, This breeds resentment in both parents and wears mom out. It doesn't do the baby any good either. We all know women who complain about how little their partners do. They harp about having to do it all because he or she can't do anything well enough. They're pissed about being the primary parent and insist their partner won't do anything around the house without being nagged. They're angry when their partner does something different than they would or that they didn't specifically tell their partner to do. They're damned if they do and damned if they don't. Whenever I encounter one of these women, I wonder how the situation developed. Why didn't she share the parenting load from day one and respect his contribution so they'd have a more equal partnership? What part did each of them play in reaching this point? It's a weird cultural dynamic we have, but one that desperately needs to change. Unless both parents are enabled and empowered to be their child's caretaker from day one, mothers will take on too much and resent doing it all. 
Dads will check out because they feel like they're not good enough. It's not just moms who put this dynamic into play. Society is all over it too. It starts in the delivery room when dads are chided by nurses not to drop the baby or they're teased about a sloppy diaper change. Nobody does that with mom because even if she has no baby experience, it's assumed she'll know how to hold her own child. It happens when they get home, when baby cries in dad's arm and mom insists he hand the baby over so she can soothe it. It continues when mom micromanages how dad provides basic care and criticizes him when he doesn't do things her way. It happens when mom won't hand the baby over to dad long enough to take a shower or run to the store. Sure, the baby might cry, but dad can hone his comforting skills. It happens when dad's play style is different from mom's. Sure, it's different, but children can learn and have fun with both parents. Later still, it happens when mom takes care of the children, but dad babysits or helps. All those subtle things lead too many women to thinking they don't have support, that they're the only one who can do anything. All of this tells dads they're not expected to take care of their own children. But none of that is necessary. It's not true that dads aren't as capable of parenting as moms. They do things differently, for sure, but so what? Moms don't all do it the same way either. Children are better off when they learn to adapt to more than one style and one parent. It's how they learn trust, adaptability, diversity, and strong but flexible gender roles. So back to the original idea. How can you do anything now that you have a newborn, including taking a shower, going to the store, and having an adult conversation? You ask for help and accept it. You hand the baby to your partner and go take a shower. Take your time. Heck, shave your legs if you want to. Your baby will be fine. Go to the grocery store and leave your baby in your mother's care. Go ahead and dawdle over magazines. Make time to spend with your friends, your partner, and even all by yourself. You will always be your child's mother, but that doesn't mean you have to do it all. Your child deserves to have other adults in his life too, and he deserves to have a mother who is her own person. Okay, enough of the book. Go out and uh, pick up a copy and read all about it. So what else? Well, you guys were really gracious. On Mother's Day this year, you indulged me as I had all my kids talk about their viewpoints on parenting and motherhood and being raised by a labor nurse and you know the issues that they see in the lives of parents today. So today I'm going to continue my shameless nepotism, and I've asked my husband to join us to give us his sage advice from an old dad to the new dads. I don't even have to call him on the phone. He's right here with us. Hey, Jerome. Hey. You ready to talk shop about parenting? You betcha. Okay. Um, first thing I want you to do is tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Uh, my name is Jerome, Jerome Faulkner. I live in Portland, Oregon, father of four married to you that's true uh-huh yeah uh, i work as a, a general manager in a uh, home furnishings store here in portland called called kitchen caboodle we'll give kitchen caboodle a shout out shout, we love shout, this shout store mm-hmm. yeah what else what else do i do yeah um well i i parent and i partner mm-hmm yeah and, and it's a full-time gig. Yeah, it sure is. Absolutely. 
Yeah. I wonder if it would be a part-time gig at this point in our life if we'd only had just a couple. Well, we said we're going to only have two. Yeah, and then yeah. the others had us. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. yeah. So, we have a bunch of kids ranging right now from mid-teens to late 20s. And you have a pretty wide range of experiences raising kids. Um, I think it. I think you'd agree that each one of our kids is a really different person from their siblings. Yes. And that they've all, we've had to raise them. We, we can't use the same format for each child. No, there's no cookie cutter. No, no, not at all. You're raising different people at different times in your own life. And it affects, I think it affects the way that we raise them. Yeah. But I guess my question for you was do you think you parent each of the kids the same way more or less or does each kid get a different piece of you i think that each child you have to raise the child that you're given because each child is different uh, i found that there's a lot of difference in raising a boy versus a girl um, are you talking about just cultural gender differences or what I think that, well, I don't know that there's, I don't know, I don't have an answer for that. I just know that it's so different between between the two uh, genders. Yeah. They oh, require yeah. different things. Really um, different things. Really yeah. different energy level. Right. Really different activities. Really different friends around them. Yep. Yeah. All of the, you know, the school support, the social support, the family support, everything is different with a boy. Right. Yeah. So I mean, with girls, you you would you would assume as the mother, certain roles that would um, you would teach them certain things. Like I would never be able to talk to my daughters, particularly about certain aspects of growing up female. Uh, but I do know what it means to grow up a male, and so you know I I feel more centered on that and able to take up the slack. You know, and talking about certain things like hygiene for boys and things like that. I mean, it was an uncomfortable place for you to be. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. Though I know that, you know, single dads, they I manage I wonder how it. they do it. You well, know? they just do it. Like anything else in parenting, you just do the job in front of you and yeah. then you do the next job. Right. Well, we have the tag team here, fortunately. Yeah. So what's the key to being the right dad for the right for each kid? I think your your child will tell you that. They'll let you know what it is that they need. You know, if you, uh, with my son, it was always being outside and doing activities. With my daughters, it was sewing and cooking. And crafting. And crafting. Um, Thank God that you've got the crafting gene, because I so don't. I don't know that I have it. I just was, it was a way to keep them distracted. So... I mean, you just, you raise the child that you have. Which is really different than what you think parenting is going to be like. I think that most, not most, but I don't know, maybe not most, but certainly many of the parents that I come across, they have these really strong expectations for how they're going to parent and the things that they're going to do and the things that they absolutely will never do with their kid and who their kid's going to be. And, you know, then you have the child and you realize yeah, you can't raise that kid, you know, on the track for him to become the chess champion when actually he's a skater boy. 
that's the kid you got. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that parenting, you and I, our parents were of a generation where it was very cut and dried and therefore all the children were to be raised the same way. And But I, I think that we don't have that option anymore because it takes it takes a village to raise a family it just does yeah. you know my mother stayed home with five kids and um my dad never really partook in the the parenting end of things he was you know he was there to bring down the hammer if someone did something really egregious but otherwise he was off at work all the time things are different now you know people I thank God people have changed a little bit, I think. Well, I think that, you know, some of that has to do with you know, cha- the, the way gender norms have changed over over the generations. And some of that has to do with plain old economics. I mean, you and I have always been a two-job family because we've needed both of our incomes to be able to, you know, make our nut. Yeah. And it was different back then. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my mom was a stay-at-home mom too with eight kids. Right. And um God bless her. Yeah, God bless her. Eight is a lot. For any of you out there listening who have eight, my hat's off. <laughs> More than I could do by far. But what it meant was that my mom was in charge of the home and kid domain, and in some ways I think it even may have felt like an intrusion when yeah, my dad right. would come home. Right. An intrusion for her, an intrusion for us. I mean, he was a good enough guy, and at times he was just a ton of fun. He's the one who would, you know, make sure that we all went out on the boat or went camping or hiking or those kinds of things. Um, But he was also the one who, like you said, laid down the hammer. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a very fair position to put dads in. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not a very fun position to be in either, I don't think. I. I think my father pretty much missed all of our childhood, all of my brothers and sisters' childhoods. And um, and I think he, at the end of his life, he regretted that. Oh, I was going to ask you, do you think he did? Do you think he missed? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm, interesting. Well, I'd, I would like to think that he did. Yeah. Some of the solo parents that I talk to say that you know, not having a co-parent to share both the ups and downs with is both a blessing and a and a curse it's a curse because you know on on those times when you need somebody else to pick up the slack or you've just had it with that kid or you're confused or you don't know what the right thing to do is you don't have somebody to to help you with that but the other side of it is that you don't have to negotiate with the other parent you don't have to argue about you know disciplinary tactics or big differences of of opinion um but then you don't have somebody to celebrate when they graduate, you know? Right. Yeah. You don't have somebody who's there with you when they do something that's really small and inconsequential, but is huge to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk a lot about parenthood, just in general, in society, with an, em- an emphasis on the very earliest days and years. And there's less talk about parenting the older child or, you know, the, the seven-year-old or the 12-year-old or the... 15-year-old or the 25-year-old. So why do you think that we give so much emphasis to the early years and not so much later on? Especially in terms of fatherhood. 
I think that we give emphasis to them later on, but perhaps the media is more focused on the the more the bigger changes that happen when uh, a family becomes a family. Uh, I think that you know we have go out on any Saturday to any sports uh, that your uh, that children are in, you'll see very involved parents. Some too involved, I think. Uh, some who have unrealistic expectations for their children. Some, you know, just need to have their kids get out and be social. I, I think that the seven-year-old age group, it, people, parents are involved because at that point their whole lives become wrapped around making sure that the child has the soccer club, the ice skating, the this, that, and the other to give them every opportunity um, that they can possibly give their children. And I think that that probably goes all the way through college. Um, but, but our focus is different because, you know, the child, the baby isn't, isn't, doesn't depend on us for every little thing. Well, they do at that age still, but they're not waking you up, you know, every hour and a half and they can move their own bodies. Yeah. They can grab their own bowl of cereal at some point. Yeah. And as they get older, they can put the key in the ignition of the car and drive. And yet they still, I mean, our kids, some of our kids are grown-ass adults. Yep. And they still need us. Oh, sure. But it's different, right? I mean, we, we, really needed, different. Our, we needed our parents uh, in our 20s, in our 30s. Uh, I think that that's the nature of a family. I think that at a certain point, uh, a parent's pride in a child is is what drives them to do what they feel like is best for the child and their, their pride do their you think? pride sure you know i i remember going to all the sports events with the kids and going i just my kids just suck at this and i'm sorry <laughs> that you know to say that but they did and they'll probably agree with me they they just absolutely sucked at this stuff we don't have the gold medal kids. no we don't have the gold medal kids. but you know watching you know one of them play violin or something like that i i i told they totally rocked that thing and i had such pride in them for the things that they they excelled at school or even and, just tried to do oh absolutely yeah you know, and they did try i mean they tried harder at sports than i ever did Although I did get a letter in volleyball, and I don't believe my children ever did that. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> you got that letter because if you weren't on the team, then they didn't have enough kids in your high school to pl- the, play on the team, right? Well, that was basketball. Oh, okay. Yes, that was a given. Yes, true. <laughs> I, in volleyball. I lettered in volleyball. <laughs> yeah, so it's different. Yeah. 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 I don't think my dad really cared about that so much. Well, kind of going back to, you know, we were talking about Solo parents don't have anybody to hand off to. I got to say, solo parenting, I, you guys are great. I, I don't know how you do it. Wow. Heroes. They're heroes. They're heroes. I, you know, wow. Although I've, I've spoken to a lot of solo parents and they say, no, we're not. We're just doing our thing. We're yeah. just, you know, people say to us, you got that many kids. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, well, I don't either. You just do the thing in front of you and then you do the next thing. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, like with anything in life. It's hard, but... You know, that's how you do. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that, at least for myself, having another parent, having you to 
hand off to has been, it's been life-saving practically because, you know, there are so many days when whatever I have to offer or whatever the kid needs or, you know, they baffle me or I'm exhausted or Mm -hmm. the tantrum's been going on all day and I cannot anymore. And being able to have another parent to just say, okay, you do it, you fix it, you, you be the one. You know, sometimes that's the difference between shaking your kid and, you know, being able to survive that moment. Yeah. Yeah. You tell a pretty sweet story about one of our children, no names mentioned, and we're not identifying by rank in birth order, but one child who was a big tantrum kid at about four. Mm-hmm. And do you know what I'm talking about? They all seem to have tantrums to me, but I no, so yeah, give me a little more information. Um, I can't remember exactly what the issue was, but I think I was working. And this particular child was just about on your last nerve. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Tell right. the story. It's a good one. So I think what you're talking about is we had our your dad living with us, and he was downstairs, and he was kind of feeble and in needs and I was having um, problems with one of our children upstairs and we were at a just a just a an impasse she was screaming and I really wanted to scream and my memory is that I realized that I couldn't I couldn't change what she needed to have changed so all I could do was pick her up and hug her and that's exactly what she needed and we calmed down and we became friends after that. And all this time, my father-in-law was downstairs calling for me and the kids were kind of freaking out because they'd never really seen a hissy fit quite like she was putting out there. Yeah, she was a professional, that one. She was good at that, yeah. (laughs) And uh, it it was a relief to understand that really all she needed was to be picked up and held. So that's what you mean when you say the child will tell you what it is that they need. I think that you have to be in tune to what it is the child needs from you. And you get that experience after a while. I mean, you, you, you start off with the basics, change my diaper, feed me. And then it gets into the, I need Hot Wheels, or I need that pink Barbie really bad and then you get into the more sophisticated things. I need to sit down and talk about, you know, world politics with you and understand what it is. And it it all develops if you're just in tune with what you what your what your world is doing. Yeah. Um. You mentioned the other day how you felt. That you remember how you felt when you saw your babies for the first time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it was always, you know, like after feeling sort of useless in the whole labor department um, and just, you know, as a husband and a a man, you, you think you can, you try and control so many things. And when you get to a certain point in labor, there's just no control. There is absolutely nothing you can do for your your partner except just let it happen and then at the end of all of that horrifying 
everything, uh, you get a little baby. And it's it's a, an amazing thing to watch happen. I will never cut a cord. I would never do that. that yep, he would I, never I, cut the umbilical cord. Don't recommend that, guys. Just oh, come don't, on. Don't most guys, most no. guys cut it and like to. Let, ugh, God. Um, <laughs> so, guys, but, if you're listening to this and you're wondering whether or not you should, you can totally get away with not doing it. Don't do it. And and have have your wife or partner listen to this and say, I say it's okay. Yeah, and as far as circumcision, uh, who cares, you know? Oh, we'll have don't that bother. conversation another time. At any rate... You have this brand new soul in your hands and you realize that you have a lifetime together and all the wonderful things that you will do and and all, you know, there's going to be bad things in there too, but, you know, hang in there. You get through it all. But you have this little child there who's just um, a newborn soul and you you just don't really know exactly what that means until you get that baby home and you get into the rhythm of raising a child and you get to know the the love for your child. I don't think anyone can absolutely pick up a baby and say, I love you, which you do, of course, but you don't really, you don't know how deep that love is until you have that baby in your life for a couple, three days. And then, then at all, the shock of of the whole thing wears off and you just you just are in a a loving wonderful place in your life so you mentioned another time that you know it took a couple years before you really felt like you had your feet under you parenting each of the kids i think that i was most um i had no idea really on the first child um but uh i think that as we progressed through the second, third, and fourth, I pretty much got... <laughs> One of our kids is making a racket. <laughs> hello, hello, I know somebody's home. Anyway. <laughs> hey, go away, we are. Please go away. See, that's how it really goes with parenting. <laughs> Your kids get to an age where you just tell them to go away. <laughs> I've forgotten the question. All right, let's move on. All right. Okay. So um, I'm, we're kind of hopping all around the place today. I'm going to jump back to pregnancy. Oh. And I am, you know, I've always, I'm always talking about, I am not a fan of men saying we're pregnant because we're not she is you're playing a supporting role there um but expectant fathers are having a pregnancy experience so what do you remember most about that time besides holding my hair when i barf i never did that i think that the the supporting role is pretty important i think that any father any soon to be father knows what you know what that means there's a lot of um just holding down the fort because things get kind of crazy in a woman's pregnancy i i think that the the supporting role is is not to be taken lightly i think that you really are you were there for your your family basically and i don't 
ever want to be pregnant myself. And I'm so glad that men aren't pregnant. Um, they wouldn't be very gracious about it. They wouldn't be about it. We'd bitch about it really bad. Really uh, bad. You, know, you guys would be horrible just, Oh, gosh, yes. You know? <laughs> so, I, you know, I think that being in the supporting role in all four of my children's uh, pregnancies, pregnancies yeah, yeah, of your pregnancies was just fine. I'm okay with it. You get a great thing at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. So I spoke earlier um, on the podcast, and I wrote in the book about how the level of involvement a father is going to have in his child's life starts at the very beginning by getting his hands on that baby and taking as equal and active a role in the child's care as possible, doing the little things. Um, And... I also write about how when mothers take the lead and establish themselves as the expert primary parent and then the father is sort of the, you know, mother's little helper, that that's not a dynamic that's healthy for the relationship, healthy for the child. Um, What do you think about that? We see it all the time. Yeah, I I did see it all the time, and I was always kind of shocked that that there had to be one way to raise the child and it had to be the mom's way. But, you know, that's a, that's a dynamic that that existed before the baby was born. And as I see these parents aging through uh, with those children, I, I think those, those roles balanced out a little bit. I, I think it was the, the myth in someone's mind that it has to be perfect. There is... There is no perfection. It You just get through each day. Yeah. And there's also this myth that, you know, I hear a lot of a lot of women complaining about, oh, my husband never does enough or he doesn't do it right or he doesn't, you know, he does things differently. And, you know, as long as we're not talking about huge, dis, you know, divergent discrepancies or child abuse or, you know, big, big issues why isn't it okay for a child to learn that both parents have their way and that both parents can be perfectly fine caretakers? I, mean, I think it's a value to parents to, or to kids to know that there's more than one, one way to do things. And you know, it's to the child's benefit to learn that. I think it's to the, to the parents' benefit, too, that moms don't, have to ask dads to help that dads just help that you know you see it right from the start in the hospital and and hospital staff can be they can be part of the problem where you know when you hand the baby to the mom you don't say okay hold his head pick him up this way when you hand the baby to the dad that's when you hear it oh you know be careful dad don't drop that baby I mean, what dad's going to drop their baby? They know how as much, they have as much skill picking up a child as the mother does, but the dad is derided a little bit. And, you know, that kind of dynamic, I, I think that we're seeing less and less of that. I think that we're seeing fewer dads on TV as being the bumbling idiots, and more of them are looking competent. I mean, you're, we're even seeing it in commercials. The image of dad is getting an upgrade, and I'm, I'm grateful to see it. Well, we have our own day, you know. Father's Day? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what else do I want to ask you? Let's see. 
Is there anything which you knew as a new dad that would have helped you later on? Is there anything I wish I knew as a new dad that would have helped me later on? I I have a hard time with the hard, fast rules of, of fatherhood or uh, parenting. I think, again, that if you just... Just getting through day-to-day things and remembering all the things that you possibly can, I think that that's a real, um, the best way to be a parent. Being open to the fact that you're changing and your kids are changing and the really, really um, preformed thoughts about fatherhood, they're just going to go out the door because you're just going to figure it out as you go. Yeah, it's never what you think it's going to be. But it's always good. Yeah, pretty much, pretty except much. for during the tantrum times. The tantrums are uh they're tough, man. They're tough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then, you know, we're we're all survivors here. For any of you who are deep in the tantrum years, mm-hmm. you will laugh about them later. You totally will. Mm-hmm. I bet you there's going to be some kind of app for for tantrums pretty soon. What would it do? I don't know, but you know, someone's going to come up with something that'll distract the child from screaming. I don't know. I have no idea, but you know, it all—it's all livable. You can get through it all. So, one other question I want to ask you is: What are the biggest challenges that you remember, or that you think fathers face in the early years? I think that there are still a lot of issues in a man's life where he has the feeling that he needs to work is such an important thing that and and it is important but it isn't more important than your your family i think there's something that you said many years ago and it was when you get to the end of your life do you wish that you'd worked more or that you'd had spent more time with your family. And I think that that pretty much rings true. I think that the workplace is more able to accommodate a hands-on father than it was when I had little babies. And I think that's a good thing. So I hadn't really planned on asking this question, and we'll edit it out if you don't want to answer it. But I think that one thing that very new parents or young parents don't realize is the full extent of how much life is going to happen to you during the, you know, 20 years of hard parenting you have in front of you. And you have almost no control over some of the shit that's going to come down. And for us, we had, you know, aging and dying parents. Um, we had my own health crises. Um, a couple of times. We had deaths in the family. We had job losses. We had, you know, just life. It happens. And how much of an impact has that had on your fatherhood? Well, I think that isn't that all part and parcel of life? Isn't that I don't know. I see some families where they have, it looks like nothing 
hard is happening to them. You know, they've got the finances down and they've got the career down and they've got, you know, two or more sets of grandparents who are there for support. Nobody's sick. Nobody's dying. I mean, I know that's not the norm in life. That's what it looks like. But I guess maybe the question is, coming from the perspective of older parents who have parented through many crises, how, what should younger fathers expect? <laughs> That's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> I, I couldn't even begin to answer what I, a father could expect. I can't imagine, I couldn't imagine what my kids have grown up to be and the technology that is around them at this point. And I can't imagine that a, a father whose child is born today in 20 years, what the world will be like, so but it, it, it'll be a good, it'll be a good one. You just gotta be there every day for your family and your, your, your children. So what are the biggest challenges fathers face in the later years of raising kids? Being relevant. You what? gotta be relevant to your kids. You can't give them too much, too much room to make fun of you. <laughs> but it's so easy. It's so easy. <laughs> so what do you mean by being relevant? I think that it's important to understand the music they listen to, the art they look at, the television shows they watch, the magazines they read. I think it's, you don't, don't become an old fuddy-duddy. Be relevant. Ah, so be current, or be, or are you talking about just stay engaged with what they're into? Yeah, both okay. those. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you just one more question. I have one more, one more thing to say for expectant fathers. Never let your children get ahead of you on the technological curve. You'll know what I mean. <laughs> I think that's hopeless. That's hopeless. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So my last question for you is. Where are you in your life as a dad? I am, well, I'm 60 years old. I have a 16-year-old and a 28-year-old. And I think that I'm in just the best place I could possibly be as a dad. I am looking forward to having grandkids, and I'm looking forward to watching my uh, youngest graduate from college, and I'm just in the very right place that I should be in my life at this point. Excellent. Thank you for sharing such wise, sage advice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Today's guest was Jerome Faulkner. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast, is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios in Portland, Oregon. You can pick up my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, on Amazon.com, Target, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere books are sold. Um, subscribe, share, and guys, go on over and donate on my website, gene at genefaulkner.com. 
to help um, keep this podcast open and accessible to all the mamas and papas out there. Um, You can send me your emails, ask me your questions, tweet your comments. I am Jean Faulkner, and you can reach me at jean at jeanfaulkner.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk again next week. Bye-bye. Someone will look at me like I'm looking.